Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Sometimes you know that you're not on the right path and a passion and interest for something else takes hold. This week's guest is Laura Briggs, founder of petite clothing wear brand, The Shortlist. This is a recording of an Instagram Live where Laura talked about leaving her recruitment business and starting a new brand. We chatted in April when she was about one and a half months out from launching her British-made clothing brand. We talk about UK manufacture, the highs of going viral early on, and the lows of having to change designers halfway through the collection. So yes, I was just introducing you and saying that you had... um, as part of this series, I talk to entrepreneurs that who were either established in business, those that are scaling their business, or entrepreneurs that have um, just about either just about to launch or have just like launched within the year. And you are just about to launch, so you are launching next month. Yes, and I've never done it before, so I'm still learning as I go, and which is fantastic. And so I think if you can. Start a bit at the beginning, and uh, I mean, I found I first came across you, and I think a lot of people probably did. Was I was on LinkedIn, and um, I saw this post from a recruitment consultant. It was like, I'm really miserable at what I'm doing. I'm so glad to be saying goodbye to it, and that went viral for you. I've no, I saw that you had like over a million views on that or something. But yeah. if you if you kind of give us a, give us some of your background, how you started, why you started, and tell us a, about the business. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, I was in recruitment for six years before I even came into fashion. Um, And for the last three years, I worked on my own. So I set up my own business and I was just working for myself. And that's all I plan to ever do. But yeah, I think by last year, I think I rebranded in the hopes that it would make me love my job. And I was just coming to terms with the fact that I was miserable. Um, and it was my fiance's suggestion, actually. It was early on in lockdown. I think we were sat in the park on a lunch in May. And I think I was just talking about how many new brands I was seeing coming out and all these nice clothes that there were and how difficult it was to shop when you're short. And he was the one who said, why don't you just start your own fashion brand? Um, and it seemed absolute madness. But I ended up just thinking, you know what, I'm going to research it and see, see how I feel about it in a week's time. And the rest is history. But yeah, with the LinkedIn thing, it was just, I worked for myself. So I didn't have any way to make it feel final. It was just like one day I was like, okay, so I'm never going to recruit again now. Um, But I'm just going to go on LinkedIn because I was used to posting there every week anyway. Um, And because I, it's like if I'd left a job, I wouldn't have felt that I could be that candid because I felt it may have reflected on my old company. But because it was just me, I could be experience with recruitment and I didn't realize that it would come across as just being so heartfelt but I think it I think a lot of people could relate to you know feeling that way about a job and yeah it it went viral and I have so much to thank for it you know all the followers I have now it's been amazing and it's you've grown quite quickly to a, a 
you know, you've got 4,000, over 4,000 followers on Instagram and you set up a business in February. So it's quite a big, it's quite quick to get to, to that. But if you, so um, last year you were working in recruitment, this year, you, you know, next month, you're about to start launch your own brand. So take us on that journey then and the, you know, how you started it, the process. And for those that don't, it's so the short list and what, what you're about in terms of a brand for petites and, and that as well. Yes. So I think what helped me actually, and it sounds a bit strange, but because I had no background in design, couldn't design clothes, I can't make clothes. So I came at this not from, oh my goodness, I love making things and I want to sell them. It was purely from a business perspective. I see a gap in the market um, and I have a really good idea of how I can go about this. I'm going to do it in a smart way. So I think... Early on, the way I started was actually just by making, um, you know, it's called a Gantt chart where you just work out everything that you need to do to get to your goal of launching and just put in every single task involved. And it was overwhelming because these aren't things that I've done before. But by breaking it down like that, I went, look, I can learn all these things as I go. I don't need to know how to do all of them now, but I'm going to work through each one in turn. Um, and I think early on, I had a very clear idea of what I wanted the brand to be. Um, and I understood the importance of branding. I just don't feel like there was another clothing brand that spoke to 30 year old women in a way that was a bit tongue-in-cheek you know had a bit of a sense of humor about it but was still a smart brand that just maybe had a personality that I didn't see much of so I think having that vision in mind really guided me through all the very difficult technical stuff at the start. And so your brand is made in, manufactured in the UK yeah and so some people in terms of when so obviously manufacturing a brand, making a brand, there's lots of things you need to do in terms of finding a supplier, finding your designers, um, and finding those that are the right fit with you, uh, you know, to help you realize your vision. So you, from what I can see on Instagram and what I've seen is that you have a separate, talk to us about the setup of how you have, so I understand you have a designer that has worked with you and you have, are you buying the fabric separately? And then you have the manufacturer. Just talk about that, that how, they, how that's set up. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, I have no, I think of it as I had no sort of vocational skills for this job. So, I had a designer to design the collection, although you still have a huge amount of creative direction. So, mood boards and choosing which designs she put forward to me and having clear sort of creative direction on that all came from me. Um, and then fabric sourcing, I've done myself. So I've had to learn, which has been one of the most challenging things by far. Um, and then I've got, I'm having them made by one seamstress that I'm working with here in Bristol um, and a small studio in London are doing the rest that she can't, she can't do all of the capacity herself. And so how many pieces will be in the collection? Six. And are you small runs to start or how many are you making of each at the moment to start? Starting with tens of each rather than hundreds. So um, I feel really confident about them. But I'm also, it's that thing where you don't want to run away with the excitement of things. I want to do everything in a really smart way. And I also think it's nice to be having a brand where, you know, it is small and things are limited editions. And it just makes you a little bit more flexible as well. So to be honest, I'm happy to do it that way. And I think as well, for those that don't follow you yet and are just kind of 
happening upon this conversation that if they don't follow you that they should go and follow you because i really think the way that you engage with your audience um from an authentic point of view and you bring them on the journey you include them in the product conversations without giving away too much and, and obviously it's still your decision at the end of the day but you bring them on that journey and they're part of it and i, I do really think i think that you're a really good example of someone who is starting out that's showing enough of the behind the scenes that you can, but also, you know, still being professional, but bringing the customer on the journey as well. I think that you're a really good example for someone who is just starting out of what to share, how to share it, and just being, you know, you come across as very authentic. And you talked earlier on about what you wanted the brand to be and a bit tongue in cheek. And, you know, the posts are, a lot of the posts are that as well. You get that all across. And um, how do you, did that come, does that come quite naturally to you? So the, the two different bits, the, the video no at all. Um, and I'm still not really comfortable. And it's actually nice to hear you say, that you think I strike that balance because it's really difficult, and I think especially because I, I'm so grateful that I have so many people who found me so early, but it's been quite difficult having those eyes on you. And as much as I am so great, people are so thoughtful in the feedback that they give me to all of my videos, but you're balancing that with, as you say, it's ultimately your decision. And people have all their own opinions on things, so you have to sort of slightly tunnel your vision and stay focused on what you think is the best decision so it can be easy to try to want to be all things to all people and you can't um but i feel a lot more comfortable in the content creation side of things because copywriting and sort of being creative with my instagram posts something that i i really enjoy you know i'm not creative in the sort of making side of things but when it comes to sort of posts and having a bit of fun I love that so that's been that's been something I never got to do in recruitment and so it's not your first rodeo I suppose in terms of setting up a business because you've already set up your recruitment business what would you say the skills that helped you with this business because of the business you'd set up before I think the technical side of things so I you know, from a business angle, I was very good at sort of goal setting, knowing what I wanted and how to go about it. Um, and also staying on top of things like accounts, even though I have an accountant, I have a, quite a business brain when it comes to financial side of things. Um, and interestingly, the other thing was that I had a rebrand of my recruitment business, like I said, at the beginning of last year, when I was trying to find the joy in it again, and yeah. go through that stage taught me about content marketing. It was what got me sort of marketing myself by doing personable posts on LinkedIn every week. Um, and also deciding, you know, I think any company needs to think, what, it, what is it as a brand? And I think people, the thing I hear most from people about the shortlist is how much they love the brand. And I think that as a foundation to, to then have great products on top of a good brand, you know, it's a winning formula. So I'm really pleased that I worked on that right from the get go. And so, but, so you're saying that you, you know, good with the numbers and a finan you know, financial and the planning side of things. So did you have an idea of how much it was going to cost you when you started out? Um, where have you come to? How did you get to that? Did you plan that at the beginning? Did you, did you know how much you were going to invest in it? I had heard that starting a fashion brand, you know, ballpark 10 to 15 grand would probably be sort of accurate. Um, and it was daunting because a recruitment business cost me next to nothing to run. I needed a laptop and a phone. Um, and this, there's 
an unbelievable in fact you know I think you know about 15 grand I've invested so far but you know I haven't seen anything there's no guarantee of anything I feel really confident about what I'm putting out there but that's the level of confidence you've got to have in yourself and I think that that's really driven me to do to really go in on getting everything right um but yeah it's it's not for the faint-hearted the numbers of, of setting up a product business are there any points that you doubted it, you know, in the last, so you set it up, you started thinking about it and setting it up uh, from March last year. Are there, like, what were your low points or the thought, points where you thought, gosh, am I doing the right thing? Or did you have any of those? Yeah, I had one um, really tough time, actually. I, I, I'm working with my second designer now. So I first was with another designer who I think everything fell through last summer. Um, but it was a huge blow because I'd, I'd spent a good deal of money on her and it was only when she gave me the final designs that I think I was speaking through them with my sister and she just said, I feel like this is so far from what your original vision was. And hearing her say that kind of gave me permission to admit that I was really unhappy with it. Mm. And I've heard this saying that, you know, often when you're at your lowest point, it means you're about to turn a corner. And yeah. I, because I'd done so much research that I went back to the designer that I'd originally wanted to afford and didn't think that, it, you know, that I could and just went with her and I've never looked back. So I think that's just been a really steep learning curve for me. But I think every time that you think, oh, my goodness, maybe this is the end, it's it's just all part of the journey. You know, if it was easy, nobody would do it. Everybody would do it. Sorry. And, and you talked a lot about and I've read your posts in terms of the research that you did before you started the brand. Did you did you know that this was the type of brand that you want? I know that because obviously you're petite yourself, so you saw that there was a gap in the market. But um, where did because some some people struggle with the market research side of things? Where did you go to find that? What did was it just a lot of Google? Were there particular websites or you know how did you come? How did you find and pull that information together? So yeah, what research did I do? I did um, research of the market, so looking at all everybody who was doing petite, what price range it was, what I liked about the brand, and what I thought it was lacking. I, I weirdly tried to do um, research on the number of petite women in different age brackets, and I couldn't find it for the UK, but I found it for the US, um, which I assume would be pretty similar to see how big my market was. Yeah. Um, and then it was quite difficult because it was lockdown, but I wanted to speak to petite girls as well. So I ended up doing sort of a, a questionnaire type thing and, you know, asking my fiance to, he works at a big company, every short girl he knew and sort of getting it out that way. And I think in the end, I only got 25 girls, but everything they said reiterated what I, I was feeling anyway. So it gave me the grounding to, to sort of think that there was something, there were legs in the idea. And, um, what are your hopes for it? Where do you want, where would you like it to go? Like what's your kind of, where would you like it to be this year? And then what do you think it could be the next kind of one to three years? So the way I've done it, um, I actually follow uh, another, her name's Alice Benham. She's someone that I found when I was, yes. I've, yeah. She talks about the way business to feel. So at the end of this year, I've put that I'd really like it to feel established, busy and exciting. So feeling that mm -hmm. I've, maybe in the middle of a second launch and that, you know, it's, it's really got off the ground. But my longer term goal is definitely to grow a team. It's nothing I ever wanted to do in recruitment because probably because I hated the job, but now I, I see that this is, you know, something that could be great with other people and especially because there are so many skills that I don't have 
that to bring people on who have those ideas and who have that you know experience I think would be amazing and do you still do you see it staying being manufactured in the UK or do you think with time you may go abroad with it or is that something that you've not really thought about yet I love the fact that we're making in the UK and it's funny because even uh, recently I've had to be sourcing sort of trims and things for um, for each of the dresses, you know, things like strap adjusters and zips and so forth. And I found myself thinking, no, I want everything to come from the UK and I, I really feel strongly about supporting local business and, you know, not shipping things in from the other side of the world when you can get them on your doorstep. So, yeah, it's it, I think that's where I'm going to keep it. Okay, great. And so you you are literally about, have you got a launch date yet that you can reveal or not yet? We're all aiming for the end of May. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there could be hiccups along the way, but the closer that we get, the more it seems like everything's going smoothly. So I really hope that that would be it. But if not, it, it shouldn't be too far after that. Ready, ready to come back into society anyway. <laughs> And what's been your build-up? So um, I know that you've done the copywriting um, course and that must have helped you a lot building the website. So um, if you could talk a little bit about, I think, your, your branding first and how you came to that, because that's such a big part of what a, what a brand is and their tone of voice and everything. Yes. Um, if you could talk a little bit about that and how you wanted to come across. Yeah, so I, I honestly, this the the sound and the look of the brand sort of walked into my head fully formed I I knew that from the get-go how it would sound and my mum says that the brand kind of just sounds like me which I, I guess makes new character it's it's a version of of me um but I work with a Bristol branding agency who brought it to life and that was a collaborative effort, you know, the types of colours, the fun shapes, and it was sort of balancing what I wanted to be quite sophisticated and professional brand, but also with that sort of playful element to go with the way that it speaks. Um, but then I worked hard on the foundational bit. So, you know, what the values are, what the brand mission is, all those things I think are just as important so that you really know where you're coming from. And going to launch now, what are the things, is there a massive to-do list, list left or, you know, is it manageable? Just talk about, I suppose, the next, what's the next month look like for you? God, there are so many elements to it. And I feel like I'm on the edge of a sort of a cliff, really, because I'm just getting all my samples through, finally. And once I do, then it's sort of revealing them. And it's, you know, you have that tension where it's what you've been waiting to do for so long. Um, but in the meantime, I'm managing to distract myself with other things as well. So obviously we're making the website. I've got the photo shoot in three weeks time and all the practical things like, you know, having to buy like a label printer for shipping and get all your packaging ready. Um, I'm loving it, actually. They're all things I haven't done before, but I'm finding it really rewarding. And is there anything that you've found that's been... Um... I know that you, you have a difficult time as a designer, but is there anything that um, you found more difficult than you thought it would be? Is there anything that's been, that you've really struggled with? To be honest, just the visibility, it's, it's, it's weird because I, I catch myself thinking, oh, I should be on stories again or I should be showing my face. And it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just 
I've never, I've always just been somebody who sits behind a computer and just sort of um, works away. So having to switch your focus to that. And also it's, it's quite hard. Just, you feel a lot more judged by people and everybody's been lovely to be honest, but it's still, that's the main thing that's outside my comfort zone. You know, I feel like all the other technical things that are difficult, I can learn them, I can research them and I can understand them. But being on camera is, you know, something you've just got to do and, and hope that one day you don't mind doing it so much. Well, and like I said earlier on, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't think that in how you come across both this evening and also in times when I've seen you on on stories as well. So I think you know, as you as you, it's, it's one of those things. As you do it more, you become more comfortable with it. And I think, and I remember I did a a course by Lucy Sheridan by the Good Gram, and she's like, no matter how many followers you start to get, you know, don't think of yourself talking to. 4,000 people you talk to that one customer that one person and then it it seems a lot less daunting then as well and I think um in terms of the just going back to the range um that you have so the six how did you get to that because that's quite a tight range and is it is it, is it just is there lots of colors within the six or I'm actually revealing my palette this at the end of this week so I'll, I'll save that for them, but okay, it's not, it's, it's, it's quite a tight color palette. Uh, what I focused on is that each of the pieces are very different. Um, it's not that they're crazy colors or anything, but I thought if you've got six pieces, I'll keep it cohesive by doing just dresses and skirts. But within that, there's no thread to them. They are all completely individual, which, which I quite like. Um, and I chose, I chose dresses because I think that's the thing I struggle with most as a petite girl. You know, you can't, you know, I can cuff my jeans and things like that, but dresses I found very difficult. And I think as a petite girl, you often get basic versions of the main range rather than special pieces that, you know, your average height friends can't have. So that's something that I thought, you know, you could do lovely dresses for people to wear to occasions or parties. Um, and it's only six because of financial constraints. I would have yeah. loved in my next collection obviously once you've nailed down what people like and what are the retail price points of the range i think it's going to be around 200 pounds per piece and one of the queries obviously um that deirdre has uh, one of the um one of the viewers that's watching now deirdre has asked is about fit so obviously for a petite range and one of your main focuses is that it needs to fit really well so can you talk us through that process from kind of start to finish, I suppose, how you got to where you are now in terms of happy with how it's fitting? Yes. So I've been used as the main fit model, obviously, because it's lockdown. And it's made it quite difficult, but it's been helpful because, so I'm five foot one and a half and we're trying to fit between four foot 11 and five foot three. So my height's a good estimate. So we can work if you're slightly taller and if you're a bit shorter. But then my, it's been helpful because my sister is a similar height to me. She's the same clothing size as me, but she's much more evenly proportioned, whereas I'm, I'm actually quite curvy for my size. So we fit on both of us to make sure we <laughs> with bigger hips, bigger bum, bigger boobs, and her more evenly proportioned, that all of the dresses look good on both of us, so that when we scale up into the other sizes, we hope that there's going to be that give for anybody who's fuller or less fuller in the in the bust and in the in the hips as well. But you worked with a technologist who adjusted the fits that you and did all of those with you in the UK, obviously as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, so the designers were designed for petite body shape and then obviously carried through to the seamstress and then they're professionally graded as well. So that's a professional who knows how to size them up for the petite body frame. Okay, great. And what size did they go up to? So we're starting with 6, 8, 10, 12. And again, that's just for reasons of economy. Um, but I'm hoping this first run will go well and then it's easy enough to just increase the size range. And if you, you launch and you sell out, how quickly can you get back into it? Yeah, quite quickly. I'm hoping about sort of within, within a month um, because I've got quite a good factory now who, are, who have the capacity if things do move quite quickly. But I want to keep it in relatively small runs just because I think that's the best way of doing things. It avoids waste and I just think it's a, it's a sustainable way to grow your business as well. And will you do any pre-order on the range beforehand before you launch i'm not doing it for the first run but i did think about it if i sold out would i want to know who wants what in what sizes and would that help me again i'd probably put a cap on it so that i wasn't doing a huge run again but it's something that i've thought about and i i haven't worked out what are the pros and cons of doing it either way I, I suppose some people have a preference on not having to wait a longer time but it's something to think about Mm -hmm. and so for you at the end of this year you want to feel excited what were the what was the other that you said busy established and exciting yeah for the business well I wish you all the luck with it I think from what I've seen so far on your Instagram and I've signed up to your uh, email marketing as well I think that it's you know I love your tone of voice you know as someone who's five I'm only five foot as well so as someone who is five foot I will be definitely uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few of us uh, that will be visiting the website and um, for people that don't follow you already uh, they can follow you on the shortlist and anyone who's viewing it that doesn't follow me I'm Nicole at the Byron Retail Coach and we do um, I do these series every Tuesday at eight o'clock talking to different entrepreneurs where who shares their wisdom. And um, I suppose just the last closing thing would be any tips that you would give people that are thinking about starting their own business? Yeah, I would. I just, I have a few questions from people who say that they're, they're a bit frightened to take the plunge, but I just think you need to make like me and decide where you want to get to, work out everything you need to do to get there and just tackle each one as you go. Don't get overwhelmed, work on your foundations. And honestly, you'll look back like I am. I don't know how I've ended up here, but you will. And yeah, best of luck to anyone who has, uh, has the guts to try. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Laura. It was lovely to talk to you this evening and hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you enjoyed that episode laurel will be joining me again soon for part two where we'll chat about what happens after launch day so keep an eye out for that you'll find the links for the shortlist in the show notes and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and if you'd like to see and hear more of me then check out my website www.thebuyandretailcoach.com or instagram at the buyer and retail coach and the links to both are in the show notes see you next week mm -hmm.